The Guardian. Hello and welcome to Music Weekly. I'm Alexis Petridis. And I'm Kieran Yates. On today's programme, Mike Skinner and Rob Harvey discuss the DOT's new album, Diary. Peter Fides heads back to the year 1968 through the pages of Disc and Music Echo. And in Singles Club, we'll have reviews of new songs by Savages, Shola Ammer and the Pet Shop Boys. That's all coming up on Music Weekly from The Guardian. So with us this week, joining us this week, Alex Needham, the culture, culture editor of The Guardian. I'm an acting network editor at the moment. What's <laughs> acting network editor mean? You're in charge of the front page of the website. Right. Other bits and pieces. But yeah, I'm sat on the news desk at the moment. You're on the news the desk? Yeah. Bloody hell. Well, thank you very much for... I mean, I'm sure there's stuff happening in the world that's probably more <laughs> important than you joining us to talk about this. So thank you very much for coming in. I, I had no idea. You, you, you seem to change your job every time you... Uh... I'm a man of many, many secondments. <laughs> You're a polymath. Karen, what's the music news this week? Nicki Minaj is going to play in a film opposite Cameron Diaz. Right. <laughs> as what? As an actress. It's in a revenge... No, as an actress. Really, obviously, as an actress. You it's know, a revenge comedy. So I guess she's going to be like a lady. Do you think she's going to do scorned. her amazing English accent in it? Well, here's hoping. I mean, we already know she's a fantastic actress from Martha and, and Co. So um, Arthur and Co? Martha. Martha and Co? Yeah, her, Arthur and Martha. Arthur <laughs> Arthur and Martha. And Martha. Which one is she? Um, <laughs> Rappers tend to make quite good actors, though, in the main, don't they? There have been a, f- a few who've been... Ice Cube, successful. Ice, Ice Cube, Cube, very much successful in his own team. kind of niche. Yes, LL Cool J is in. Isn't he in? Uh, is that CSI now or something? Like that? Yeah, and obviously look at Method Man in the in the Wire, and also there's Method Man and Red Man's films. The yeah. sort of <laughs> cheap, cheap <laughs> shop. they're very Slightly good. Less um, <laughs> yeah. Who else? Who else? Fifty Cent didn't he have an acting? Uh, he did. Oh, yeah, he did. And he had to get very thin, but then the film flopped, and that was quite a sad story, actually. <laughs> is Fifty Cent isn't fat? Is he? No, I mean, he's PHAT he, fat, but he's not. Oh yeah, obviously, obviously. No, but he had a role where he was playing a HIV victim, wasn't he? And he got incredibly, <laughs> incredibly thin. Right. He was really emaciated, and there's lots of press shots circulating. But then the the film actually flopped. Oh no! What a shame. You would have thought people would quite like to see. You know, they're playing against type. But anyway, mm-hmm. what else? What's this story, Alex? You, you were telling me about this before we came on air. The uh, the Stone Roses have banned. Link. What's the, what is this? Well, I read this in The Sun on Monday, so it should be taken with, the, with that. I don't uh, know, did Gordon Smart write it? Because, I mean, he's got the ear of these actually, people. Yeah, you no, know, that's true. That's true. Well, he said that Liam Ga- that the Stone Roses had finally had to tell Liam Gallagher to stop hanging around with them at the, <laughs> and dancing at the side of the stage. Because apparently they'd all been in Dubai or something and he'd said something off-colour that people were displeased by. But generally, he's always kind of hanging around with them and getting quite irritating. Really? Is he putting them off? Is that why they sound the way they do on stage? Do you think he's putting Ian Brown off? I think he could be putting them off, I yeah. Think if, 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 if Liam is off the side of the stage, Ian Brown is going to sound like, like Otis Redding or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what else? Eurovision. Eurovision. You've got Eurovision fever, Kieran. Yeah, I love Eurovision. I'm yep. well excited for it. It's in Sweden this year, isn't yep, it? Yeah, it is indeed. Bonnie Tyler. Yes. Doing the do. Cheers. That's Cheers. great, though. That's a good one. You think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that I had no patriotic feelings, but I remember the first time we got null point oh, about eight years yeah. ago because I'd been in Spain, so I'd missed the whole thing. But I remember feeling vaguely annoyed that we'd got no points. Oh yeah, yeah. But the thing about it is, if you, the, the year that the year that Russia won, 
right? And everybody went, oh, stupid, they had this figure skater on with them, right? That song was written and produced by Timberland, right? And the figure skater was like the world champion figure skater in the end. And obviously, it does all smack a bit of the, the oligarch buying the premiership club and just putting, you know, putting loads of money into the, uh, into the sort of transfer pot. But, you know, they're taking it really seriously. And that year, we sent that fellow that was the, he was off the X Factor, off the X Factor. Oh, yeah. The Dustman, he was a Dustman, and then That's he became... Right. Andy the, Abrahams. Andy Abrahams. And I thought, well... They got Timberland, yeah. you know. No, exactly. And we do it in this sort of slightly camp, sort of, well, you know, Inglebert Humperdinck, Scooch. Now Bonnie Tyler. Now Bonnie Tyler. Not that I've got anything against, you know, Bonnie Tyler, who, you know, took t- the clips of heart. What a record. <laughs> That's I'm been sure. the best offering for a while, though, hasn't it? I mean, Engelbert was so dry last year. Yeah, Engelbert wasn't really, uh, wasn't really happening. But, um... You see what the other countries come up with, and it's just loads better. People, oh well, it's terrible. They're all banding together. All these East Europe, it's a very everyone develops a very UKIP attitude towards yes, Eastern yeah. Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it's all the, the Bulgarians, you know. And then you see what they do, and it's some like bloke in a dress on a unicycle with a disco ball on his head, and it's like, well, that's more interesting than you know. No, there's never been a year where I thought we deserved to win. No, no, no absolutely no. So Play Eurovision drinking games. No, I'm just always drunk. Oh, I just, <laughs> every <laughs> night, Karen's a Eurovision drinking game in our house. Whether Eurovision's on or not. So, right, okay, well, that's all the music news. Um, let's move on. The DOT are back. Mike, Dry Your Eyes, Skinner, and Rob, one of the music, Harvey, have been throwing out tracks on iTunes for the past few months and have now collected their favourites together for album number two, called simply Diary. So, Kieran, you were a fan, weren't you, of the, uh, of the DOT's first album? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. If only because I think Mike Skinner just gets it. I think he really gets music and it sounded like music sounds at the moment. It had trap elements, it had dubstep in there, it had this indie pairing with Rob Harvey, it had him singing and it was all well produced, it was all done pretty well, I think. It's not. certainly not the most likely pairing, I don't think. Um, when they spoke to Casper Llewellyn-Smith earlier, they began by talking about what makes them so different. I've always said that uh, when it really comes to it, I will kill someone, and you will kill yourself. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to describe it. The things you happen to notice In the background of a photo You're just there Right on the edge of frame staring In all the carefree raving DOT, what's that stand for? What's the story of it? What's that building down the road? You know that sort of orange building? And, and we were taking photos for, for your newspaper just now with your lovely photographer. And uh, these two guys came out and they were like, you, you, can't, you can't take photos there. And, uh, and as an aspiring paparazzi photographer myself, I sort of felt quite um, angry that they'd told me to move from a public place because, as you well know, paparazzi photographers are allowed to go where they want and take photos of anyone. So, uh, and then, but the, what, it was what he said, wasn't it? He said, we said, well, what, what is it in there? What's in the building? And he said, oh, it's I, a high I, security building. He yeah. Said. I said, what, the government or something? What? And he was like, can't tell you. It's a bit like that.
and a new record. There's been another record, hasn't there? Yeah. Was that an official record, or was it a sort of a clever bootleg leak, as if you were Jai Paul or someone else uh, of uh, that ilk? Well, uh, a leak officially endorsed by us on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we've always been making Diary, which is the album that's about to come out. But in the process of making that album, we uh, posted a lot of music on the internet. And then we were sort of in this bit where it was we were sort of trying to get everything together towards the end of last year. And we we hadn't really started to perform live properly so we were sort of doing that so the first album is the greatest hits of the uh, internet uh, experimentation but weirdly a lot of the songs on this album were done before the first album but they're both official albums which is better i prefer this one diary. that's good because that's the one you're promoting one. now that would be yeah you wouldn't want to say this album isn't as good as the last one is it i mean I've I've had a lot of albums out. You know, I mean who's gonna who's gonna like your shit if you don't? That's true. Did you find yourself was that a truthful process or did you find yourself living a lie with the previous albums under the, the name of the streets? Did every record feel to you like the best one? Or? Yeah, it did. Every every record felt like the best one, yeah. Obviously Alex Petridish uh, occasionally disagreed. It's just luck, you know, you come up with an idea and and then everyone else thinks it's a really good idea and so you just you just have to keep playing your hands, don't you, Rob? Mm. Yeah. Rob being a big gambler. It's just about staying in, isn't it? That's the thing, not not, not folding too early. Never fold. And that's the key. You know? Bluff. Always bluff. <laughs> For me, this is how I've always wanted to make music, write quite musical songs. Because the thing I used to be involved in before, a band called The Music, we were very much about power and passion. And we didn't spend a great deal of time on the craft of songs. But I I really enjoyed getting involved in that. It's got big pop hooks. It's like a bunch of big pop tunes. I, I, like I, I, always, that. I always thought that Adele album was basically a Westlife album, but sort of done yeah. better. Yeah, it is. And what's the live thing like? I've not had the pleasure of seeing you live, but I must say I love the record. I've been hammering the record, Thanks. driving around the streets hammering of London. Hammering it, driving it around. What <laughs> do you drive? Loud. What do you drive? Like? What do you think I drive? I, I think you drive a hybrid. I, I don't <laughs> think you'd be able to be seen by anything, but if you had a, like a gas guzzler... You'd get, you'd probably end up getting sacked. Some rival paper would 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 print a photo of you in a Mustang or something driving yeah, around. You're not, you're not a million miles out there. You're not a million miles out there. Because you've got, you know, we've all, we've we're all in the image game, aren't we? We're just we're just peddling a different uh, film, you know.
both of you, are you recognised by people in the street now as members of the DOT, or do you carry the baggage of your previous incarnations in the world of pop music? It's easy for me to answer, because we weren't quite as successful as Mike. Although I did get noticed in um, Waitrose the other day, buying chicken. That's the only time anyone's ever recognised anyone from the DOT. Really? Was that time in, yeah. in uh, Waitrose? Waitrose, Asda. No, Waitrose. Well, Waitrose. It's, it's about yeah. brand positioning again. It's whether you yeah. want the DOT to be a gas guzzler. And, and or, the other uh, day, uh, our tune got played in uh, Asda, I think. Fair play, Asda. And you might, you've never been recognised as a member of the DOT. No, I'm, um, I think there's a sort of, there's a level, you know, above which it's just not fun. You know, it just becomes sort of paranoid. But sort of below a certain level, maybe sort of like, you know, if you're like Ian Brown's level of fame, that's, that's really fun. Because it's like, you know, he's got a few quid, you know, he, get, he gets to play at Heaton Park and stuff, but none of the sort of crap, you know, it's just, it's just and people who do recognise him, you know, know the band that he's in. But then obviously, sort of, probably if you're Noel Gallagher, it's just a bit of a hassle. Mm. Is that a level of that, or is it distinction between the old fame celebrity thing, where if you're... Could argue Ian Brown. He's got a body well. I mean, of you know, if, if the Stone Roses, like him yeah, if the, the Stone Roses made an album now that was just, you know, the best album ever made by anyone, then Ian Brown, whether he likes it or not, would become, you know, as famous as probably um, Noel Gallagher. You can talk, can't you? You know, who? Ian Brown. I love Ian Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I used to see him a lot at the box actually. I used to smell him actually. <laughs> I used to smell him coming. <laughs> he used to be able to. Yeah. What changed? He cleaned up. <laughs> he cleaned up real good. That was Rob Harvey and Mike Skinner talking to Casper Llewellyn-Smith. Diary by the DOT is released on May the 6th. This week on The Guardian Audio Edition. Are Hollywood films too human? Reykjavik's radical mayor blazes a trail for the revolution in digital democracy. And we celebrate 100 years since the publication of Franz Kafka's The Judgment and study provincial life with George Eliot's masterpiece, Middlemarch. To subscribe for free to The Guardian Audio Edition, go to audible.co.uk forward slash guardian or find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Audioboo. The Guardian Audio Edition, a new way to get the whole picture. Time for Singles Club. Each week we pick three songs and consider their impact on our brains and bodies. Let's start this week with Kieran's choice. I got a boyfriend. I got a was Shola Amma, a name 
Talk about forgotten names. When was Showerama? But it's like nineties, late nineties, like Showerama's era. Late nineties, but she also released some stuff in two thousand and ten. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the track's called Boyfriend. That was remixed by Todd Latee. Kieran, your choice. Uh, you brought it in. Tell us all about it, please. Yes, I love Showerama. I I think that when I was kind of researching her, I completely forgot that she is a Brit Award winner, and I always think of her doing "You Might Need Somebody." But actually, she has quite a, quite a great back catalogue, and she's done stuff. With I had no things. idea she won a Brit, and nor did I have any idea she'd done a cover of "You Might Need Somebody." <laughs> yeah, it was a big hit in that was a huge, 1997. It was a huge hit. That yes. was like her big oh, breakout. Ninety-seven. That was strictly strictly <laughs> listening to dance music. Like, <laughs> And then, kind of, you know, in the years that have passed, she's done stuff with Wiley and gigs and a few people from the grime scene. So she has moved with the times. Is what she's you're d- I would say she's moved with the times. I mean, she also suffered from a bit of a drug addiction and had a few hiccups along the way. But yeah, though this track, I mean, it's more of a teaser track, really, and I don't think it's really doing anything particularly groundbreaking uh, musically. But her voice is—I mean, it's, it is beautiful, and she has quite a vulnerable tone to her voice I think there is something quite delicate about her and even though she's really powerful and she's got kind of that really powerful R&B voice there's something quite there's a bit of a sultry whisper to it it's yep. still quite I get that yeah it's quite delicate um, this is produced by Cass Lowe which is a bit weird because he's also written songs for Diana Vickers and the Backstreet Boys so I wouldn't Cass Lowe yeah you Never know, heard of him. Yeah, he does. He does all these kind of. He's not the cast that was in the senseless things, is he? By any chance? That would be amazing. <laughs> no. He's the guy who writes all the unfunny stuff for gorillas. Cast from the senseless things. Is he? Yes. <laughs> My God. <laughs> right. I tell you what. You, you, we're finding. We're digging. We're digging at the past here, folks. This is, this is brilliant. You know, I bet there's a lot of people tuned into the podcast today going, you know what, man, I wonder what Cash from the Senseless Things is up to. Well, now you know. Um, Kieran, yes, carry on. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it's beautiful, beautifully produced, pretty low-key, and she sounds great on it, I think. Um, oh, and also it's with Todd Latee, who's Sheffield producer, uh, and very, very cool, does lots of good stuff, and this is one of them. Okay. Is this a noticeably different uh, mix from the original? Yeah, I think so. This is This is the clean version. I think for that reason I didn't like it as much, but I right. liked it musically. Right, 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 right. What the the difference between the clean version? Obviously, this means it has bad language in it. Uh, does that make the track better? Do you? Think? Yeah, because swearing. I think, you think that's cool? Do you? Uh, I, I do think it's cool. <laughs> you think it makes you look I mean, hard. Exactly. <laughs> no, I I just think it flows better, doesn't it? Because uh, the I mean the sentences end instead of being paused. Yes, true. true so true, true, you true. Are, so they're on the beat. Okay. Well, uh, Alex, what did you make of this? Are you a fan? I thought it was great to hear her voice again. I remember interviewing her actually around about the time of You Might Need Somebody and she showed me her collection of snakeskin Milono Blahnik shoes. So she wow. was living quite a... Wow. She really was living the life, wasn't she? Was she? That's the, amazing. She was living the life at the time and uh, she was living in West London somewhere. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it was sad when I heard that she'd been... Uh, you know, she'd been having terrible problems and it's good to see that she's come out of those. Hmm. I mean, I liked her voice but I thought... The track was so low key as to almost sort of slightly flirt with being a bit a bit boring. And also, I wondered whether sort of lyrically it suited her that much. I mean, now we know that she's in her thirties and she's been round the block a few times. I, I don't know whether singing about a kind of boy. Not that I'm saying she should do a Peggy Lee and start singing. Is that all there is? That'd be brilliant, just, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> but I just wondered whether whether um, you know a woman of her experience might benefit from something a bit more a bit more meaty yes exactly. bit, yes I, I i do agree you now that you say that it is quite a sort of little girlish you know what i mean sort of yeah. flirting but i'm not there's anything wrong with 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 
you know, ladies in the thirties can bear with that. But yes, it would be something nice to have something, as you say, that reflects. You know, she's clearly lived a life. Yeah, definitely. and it would be nice to have something that that kind of reflects that. Maybe yeah. That's yeah. what's interesting about it, though. I think I think the fact that is a little bit older and maybe is a little bit more experienced, but she's still feeling those those same preoccupations with kind of feeling vulnerable in a relationship or having a boyfriend because those are universal things and I don't think they ever do go, do they? That's probably true, yeah. Mm. yeah. I've not felt that. <laughs> and I'm not going to say that because as I say that, Mrs. Petridis will probably be packing her bags. She'll be out. I'll go home. There'll be nothing. Walls will have been stripped. Kids will be gone. I'm not going to say I feel very secure in my relationship because you know who, who knows? Who knows? Knows? Anyway, anyway, let's move on. Um, that was Boyfriend by Shola Ammer. You can hear it on SoundCloud now. The link is on our webpage. Let's move on to Alex's choice. Alex, that was your choice. The uh, Pet Shop Boys and Axis. I was going to bring this in, actually, had you not brought this in. Um, I think this is brilliant. So good. Um, yeah, it's, it's totally not what... Well, I mean, let, let you, you should talk about it, actually. You, you brought it in, you talk about it. Well, it's only nine months since they last put out an album, which was sort of the opposite of this. It was uh, called Elysium and was very sort of quite ballady, mm. mature. And I think a lot of the hardcore fans, of which I am probably one, mm. were slightly, although I, I liked it, but a lot of people were quite disappointed. It got very mixed reviews. It got didn't very it? mixed reviews, yes. So now they've, um, they've, they're playing to their strengths, probably, and they've made this banging dance album with Stuart Price who they've sort of had an associ- a long association with but most famous for making um, Madonna's Confessions on a Dance Floor Absolutely. album and also as Jacques Lecomte the record, the sort of electro records he made at the end of uh, the 90s Le Rhythm Digital Le Rhythm Digital exactly so this is this is the, the kind of curtain raiser for the album there's sort of been a minute of it that they put out a couple of months ago I was slightly disappointed that it wasn't a more fully realised song but at the mm. same time it is definitely a great Italo disco that's what I really yeah. yeah 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 no totally of, I thought it sort of harked back almost more to things like sort of Paninaro and you know what I mean that yeah. the, because they have put out kind of semi-instrumental things before, yeah, and da, 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 da. I was just quite surprised they'd made. You know, they, this was what they put out as yeah. a sort of teaser. Because you know, the Pet Shop Boys, I love them. I love them dearly. And uh, there's it was it strikes me, you know, there's a kind of level of quality about what they do. They've never really dipped beneath. You know, it's like the records are always pretty good. But there's also a sense of like, oh, you kind of know what to expect with the Pet Shop Boys now. And you know, da, da, da. and I wasn't expecting them to do this kind of massive doofing kind of you know proper. Somewhere between kind of like a rave track and I Feel Love and, you know, it's got all... And then it's got bits in it that sound just like the Pet Shop Boys, little sort yeah. of melodic bits. I, I liked this very much. Kieran, did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely great. It sounded uh, quite craft worky. It does sound like craft work Doesn't yes. it? Yes. Um, which I liked because now I'm a bona fide Kraftwerk fan <laughs> after seeing them uh, live at the Tate. But yeah, I thought it was great. I thought that they used all the synth vibrations and the drum programs in a really interesting way. I thought the video was great. It's it's really kind of fluorescent and kaleidoscopic, and mm. there's like a guy kind of dressed up and it's really laser. But doesn't I was kind of hoping those that was them. 
I yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's two people with like animal heads yeah. on it. It's sort of really, really going for it, dancing. I was really hoping that would, would be the pet shop. Yeah, and it really reflects the energy of the track, which is really good. I revisited them a little bit. It's a bit embarrassing to admit, but after the Olympic opening, where mm. you know they did that big pet shop boys track, and I was like, oh yeah, they're great. And then started... a truck or something. Well, and that's my reflection yeah. of it. Yeah, it was Neil, Neil Tom was being driven round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brilliant. After that, I was like, kind of revisiting their discography, and I. I was like, yeah, this is great, and I think this is a good follow-up. I loved it. Excellent. Well, three thumbs up. Three, six thumbs up uh, for uh, the Pet Shop Boys Axis, uh, which is available now on the interweb, but uh, it will be featured on the upcoming Pet Shop Boys album, Electric, which is out on July the 15th. Have you heard that, Alex? I haven't heard it, no. I'm excited um, to hear it, though. Yes, I'm, I am more excited to hear it than I have been about a Pet Shop Boys album for a while. It's so. nine longish tracks, isn't it, rather than... Fantastic. So, so it was like disco or one of those, yeah, kind exactly. of brilliant. That's, that's, that is what we want. Well done, Neil and Chris. Time for my choice. <laughs> So that uh, was Savages and Cities Full. Um, I first saw Savages uh, about a year ago, and it all went a bit over my head, to be honest. I was a bit of a goth. It's got a goth band. And then the more I sort of heard about them, and I kept putting things out, and you'd hear bits and bobs about them, and have these kind of slightly manifesto-ish ideas, um, I thought, well, that's a bit more interesting than I thought. And then this album's come out, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's a really, really good record. I think it's an unbelievably potent sound they've got going on. You can hear bits of Susie and the Banshees in it, you can hear bits of Sonic Youth in it, but there's just something kind of really undeniably fierce about how it sounds. And there's something sort of kind of dark and potent and, you know, I think this year a lot of sort of hotly tipped alt-rock bands you turn up and you've heard the out, and it's like, I don't even know why you've bothered to make this. I don't, I don't understand how you can can be bothered to make this record. It's utterly sort of purposeless, flaccid music. And you're never going to say this is purposeless music. This is like, really like, running down the street, kicking people in the nuts kind of music. It, it, it's, I, I really like it. And that is that. there's an amazing song on the album as well called uh, Hit Me which is um, like sort of proper thumbs up for S&M, kind of like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's pretty kind of provocative stuff. Um, I mean, provocative, you know, provocative is a provocative does, but, you know, it's it, it, within the context of being this kind of quite staunchly feminist band and all this sort of thing. Anyway, uh, Alex. I really liked it as well. I thought that it had, as you say, tons of kind of vigour. Mm. Um, I like the sort of androgynous kind of uh, lyrics with yeah. the use of sissy in them. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's something very alluring about it and very convincing. And I'm looking forward to seeing them live at um, Primavera later. Oh, you're going to Primavera? I am, yeah. Oh, fantastic. So I'll see, them in, I'll see them, hopefully, on a balmy summer's night in Spain. That's what you need, isn't it? Because um, I thought I was just... I assumed... That they were gay, and they're not. I assumed the front one was gay, and she's definitely not, because she's going out with that bloke that she's in the duo with. Da, 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 da. So it's a kind of interestingly ambiguous They've record. got a great androgynous kind of look yeah. as well. So, Kieran, did you like it? 
not really. Ah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before I'd heard about Savages, well, before I'd heard any of Savages' music, I'd heard about what a great live band they are. There's so much written about uh, kind of the, the great live experience, which I can totally get from this, actually, because they have such a specific point of view that it would be quite difficult to, I guess, not be kind of taken in by that if you were seeing them live. Uh, and there's something, yeah, like you say, quite alluring and quite intoxicating about that because they're so I mean they're ferocious but they're so unrelenting as well and there's Mm. this like industrial sound that you really can't ignore that you have to really either kind of I think sign yourself up for completely or just step outside yeah 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 I don't think it's a band you're never going to put it on and do you know the housework or something like you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly it's it's a record that demands you full attention, which is a good thing I think yeah no it's good I'd probably wait outside but you you boys go you can do the housework do your thing no I thought it was I think it's very good Uh, the album all of which is of a uh, similar quality I have to say Um, I thought it's quite a short album but you know good songs Uh, it's called Silence Yourself it's out on Monday on Matador Records Every month, we lock Pete Perfides in a studio with an old music magazine, and several hours later, we receive this transmission. Yes, it's time for Peter Perfides' Parallel History of Pop. Welcome, thank you for joining me. I'm Pete Perfides. Uh, regular listeners to the Guardian Weekly Music Podcast will know that this is the bit, my parallel history of pop, where I pick out a music paper that came out around this time at a given year in the uh, timeline of rock and roll. And this week I hold in my hand a copy of Disc and Music Echo, a beautiful magazine. came out on May the 4th, 1968. David Jones is on the cover of David Jones for the Monkeys, uh, looking thoughtful, smouldering in front of a streaming pool, looking topless, and uh, loads going on this week, as tended to be the case at this point in the 60s. The Stones have got a new uh, title for their single, uh, Who Star? Keith is Married, more of that later. But let's start on page two. I love this bit. It's lots of gossip tidbits sort of rattled off at a frightening velocity, which veer from the informative to sort of random. The first one we've got, uh, we've got the news just in that the moves Carl Wayne phoned Disc, as pop stars will want to do back then, to deny reports that the group was being flooded with complaints from fans about Ace Kefford leaving. We've had all of two, he said. And uh, what else? Jimi Hendrix experience. Noel Redding's summary of their gruelling... 47 city tour of the states. Uh, the girls are much better this year, so it's good to know. If you can just get your mind together, then come on across to me. We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sunrise from the bottom of the sea. Also in the news, what's it on page three? We've got. Uh, there's. I love this section. It's called Hit Talk, and every week they get um, a famous musician to talk about what they like and what they don't like in the charts. And uh, this week we have Ronnie Lane of the Faces. Although <laughs> they, they call they call him Plonk Lane. Uh, they've dispensed with his actual name altogether and gone with the isn't it now? So Hit Talk by Plonk Lane. He has only heard the Paper Dolls once. 
but good luck to them anyway. And congratulations was bound to be a hit, he says, but I think Cliff's done better songs than that. As we start shooting next week, don't it's we? It's May already. The rain in Spain lies mainly, mainly in the Pinewood Studios. <laughs> well, I hope it doesn't, folks. Over here, this is quite this is quite interesting. This Keith Moon, some news about Keith Moon, who finally announces that he's been married for all of two years. And he says, I used to evade the issue by pretending I was an idiot every time I was asked about it. Uh, his wife, of course, secret wife up until this point, was Kim Kerrigan, who was a hairdresser turned model. Uh, she discovered that she was pregnant in 1965, and much to the uh, annoyance of her father, Keith insisted that she gave up modelling once they were married, whilst at the same time taking up modelling himself in his part-time for Vidal Sassoon, which seems slightly hypocritical. In other news, the Bee Gees are joining Frankie Howard in a big TV special uh, written by Galton and Simpson's sketches with him. Uh, he went on, Frankie Howard, of course, went on to appear in a strange Bee Gees film, Cucumber Castle, by which time uh, Robin had left uh, for a year or two. I'll, I'll cut it in half and I'll call one half uh, cucumber. I'll call the other half jelly. But why, Father? Why not? I'm dying, I'll die. Dying! Also in the same news story, there's an appeal from Robert Stigwood, the Bee Gees manager, uh, begging fans not to wait outside the office because it's causing a public disturbance. Uh, the upcoming Monkeys movie, which from the vantage point of the present tense we know went on to be called Head, but we don't know that at the time, may be adults only, says Mike Nesmith. He says, I don't know if the kids will be let in to see it. It's not a funny movie. Uh, I think the critics agreed, initially at least, at any rate, with that appraisal. He, uh, he, a few more quotes from him, although he does neglect to point out that the uh, reason that maybe adults only is because it's actually a conceptual piece about the nature of free will and the uh, disconnect between the real and manufactured personas of a pop group. Over on page 12, there's a feature on our two top girl singers, Lulu and Dusty, who launched two new TV series this summer, which will be the most popular. Um, Lulu's is her debut in a series on BBC One. Dusty's moved from BBC One to ITV, uh, or sorry, ATV as it was then. Lulu's very excited. She's very excited about uh, duetting with Alan Price. She's done a hilarious song with him, apparently. He's all dressed up in school uniform with short trousers and a school cap, and I'm a sweet schoolgirl. Shall we say, same time, same place, next week? Over on page 13, these were liberated times and yet this kind of creeping, so the same old sort of gender division seem to sort of filter through um, in the world of uh, rock and roll. And uh, th this is very well exemplified by a, uh, a feature on um, Alan Freeman's PA. Uh, this is the girl who runs Alan Freeman's life. Mrs. Freeman sat serene in the sunshine on the penthouse patio, thumbed through a shopping list and said, it really seems like being married because there are just two of us up here all day and every day. She might have been a model, except that she was told she wasn't skinny enough and looked more like a film star, which she does. Now, she doesn't mind, because instead, Caroline Walker, blonde 22-year-old daughter of a chartered accountant, has landed one of the best jobs a girl can get in the pop world. She is secretary, assistant, advisor and errand girl to top DJ Alan Freeman. The voice of Radio 1. 
Not off. Over on page 14, uh, Alan, Jonathan King has got a regular column in Disco Music Echo 1968, and uh, the, the, the gist of his column this week is that he's just a bit bored with everything. All around us, staleness, bad breath, stomach odours, yawns, boredom, old promotion ideas, less radio and TV excitement. We haven't shaved, we haven't washed, we're wearing all our old linen. There are yellow patches under the sleeves of our dirty shirts, dandruff on the collars of our crumbled jackets. Over five years since the Beatles, and doesn't it feel like it? If something dynamic doesn't occur soon, uh, rigor mortis will set in. More gossip. Disc and Music Echo was very good for gossip. We've got another column here. We seem to have about four different gossip columns in disc. This one's called Grapevine, and it's the gossip gathered by their correspondent, Bob Farmer. Uh, a big story at the time is, uh, uh, as many Radio 1 DJs have done since, is, is Kenny Everett opening his mouth too hastily and apparently talking himself out of a plum programme uh, that was lined up for him on Radio 1. Unbeknownst to him, he had a a new more high profile slot lined up for him uh, instead of his Sunday show and um, he criticised the Radio 1 management on air and as a result marginalised himself from the show I spend the night in a chair Letters always a good indication of what's going on in the, in the world at any given time the letters page what people are really talking about John Davidson of Menton Hill in London Please point out to Dave D that uh, not only are we not interested in Lulu's love life, we're not interested in his either. For the last three weeks, we've had pictures of him with Rosemary Franklin and every article about the, the group has managed to sneakily mention the romance. From now on, let's have a music paper, not a Lonely Hearts Club. The singles by uh, Disc's star uh, reviewer, Penny Valentine. Not too much came out this week, but uh, she does rather... She stops to lambast the Beach Boys. Summary, no doubt a hit. Uh, this was uh, their new single, Friends, uh, and she says, Whatever happened to the Beach Boys ever since Good Vibrations, it seemed rather sad to witness their disappearance as purveyors of stunning records. This is notable for their usual vocal trickery and closed-in sound. For a Miss Tavish's dancing school rhythm and really not much else, summery, pleasant and instantly forgettable, it will no doubt be a hit. Finally, let's have a look at the charts on uh, May the 4th, 1968, in fine classic Tony Blackburn style. Let's go from the bottom up. The four tops if with their version of If I Were a Carpenter down nine places to number 28. Lady Madonna by the Beatles also going down to 25. Uh, the highest new entry is Young Girl by Union Gap featuring Gary Puckett. Also in the top 20, we've got um, a high rock, high climb up from uh, The Herd, uh, pinups of the day on Fontana with I Don't Want Our Loving to Die. Two places above it, moving down four, Delilah from Tom Jones. In the top 10, climbing at an immense velocity, A Man Without Love by Engelbert Humperdinck. Also, uh, number six, Can't Take My Eyes Off You by uh, 
Andy Williams uh, moving up at a fair old rate uh, to number five, uh, Lazy Sunday by The Small Faces. Down one to four from Cliff Richard, congratulations. And then John Rawls with If I Only Had Time, uh, down one to three. Um, Simon says he's up two to number two from the 1910 Fruit Gum Company Pie. And holding its own at number one, of course, it's uh, Louis Armstrong with a Wonderful World. No movement in the album charts. John Wesley Harding from uh, Bob Dylan, still number one. This is Soul, the uh, million-selling Soul compilation on Atlantic. Uh, number two, Sound of Music. Number three, History of Otis Redding. Uh, number four, and the Four Tops Greatest Hits. Number five. But oddly, and we so easy to forget. This was such a huge commercial album. Um, the Hangman's Beautiful Daughter, up three to six, by the Incredible String Band. And that completes this rather detailed, colourful whistle-stop tour through the week that was popping. May the 4th, 1968, in Disco Music Echo. I've been Pippa Fides. See you next time. That's all we have time for today, except... Except for a, uh, a, a comment that we received. Uh, on our message board. There's lots of people like last week's show, lots of love for Alstra. Uh, but Febo, 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 don't know how you pronounce that, asks, can we have more rudeness in the interviews, please? I think the world is a rude enough place. Don't you? Without without us being rude to our interviews. What would, what would you achieve by that, I wonder? Nothing. What's the rudest thing you've ever asked a pop star in an interview? They're usually rude to me, especially when I was starting out. Once Natasha Buddingfield asked me to carry her bags up to the hotel room. Really? Whoa, you're joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't, well, she didn't, Where's she now, though? Eh? Exactly. Well, she didn't know that. I, I guess she didn't know that I was the journalist, and I was too meek to introduce myself because it's one of my first interviews. So I just did it. That then, must have been highly embarrassing. It was very embarrassing. And then we got to the hotel room, and then I kind of sat opposite her with my dictaphone <laughs> in my hand. Like, oh. <laughs> What's the reason? Because you used to write for Smash It's, didn't you, Alex? I did, but I've asked ruder questions for, uh, for this slightly racy game magazine called But. You see, now, I am fascinated by this because I remember going through a load of... It was actually about the Pet Shop Boys. I was doing, it was a load of cuttings. You know, I was doing an interview with them, I think, for the weekend. The interview with... I, I don't think it was But. I think it was, I know, it was Attitude or, or whatever. was just absolutely off its tits. It was like, have you ever fucked Chris? <laughs> just completely, you know, it's like, are you a top or a bottom? It was just complete, like, anyway. But sorry, I interrupted your thing. Well, it was... It was, it was uh... I mean, I suppose with this magazine, you're, you're sort of signed up to it a bit. I think a lot of foreign journalists are very blunt. I've, a couple of years ago, I interviewed Marianne Faithful, and mm. she was in a foul mood all the way through the interview. Mm-hmm. And then finally I said, you know, you, you don't like being interviewed very much. Mm. And she said that a German journalist had just gone in and asked her whether she uh, gave Jim Morrison the heroin that killed him. So basically, <laughs> the, journalist, was basically the journalist was saying, are you responsible for, oh Jim, Mor- for Jim Morrison's death? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Tracy Thorne once told me this was only when she when she put that Christmas album out and she she was in a phone I think it was Italy and the journalist's opening question to her was do you think you'd have a career if you, did you think you would have a different career if you'd been better looking oh <laughs> or if you'd been pretty or something like that unbelievably <laughs> offensive question it's um, a proper rude um have I ever asked anyone anything rude? No. So tell us something. What, do you, what kind of th- things do you ask people yeah, for, for the book? <laughs> well, one of the questions they ask you, they like to, you to ask people is, describe your penis. <laughs> 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 and on that note, 
that's all we have time for today. Uh, thank you very much, Alex. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Uh, thanks also, of course, to Mike Skinner and Rob Harvey of the DOT, Casper Llewellyn Smith and Pete Perfides. The producer this week was Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.